Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Mike Bren. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And hey, as said on the last show, flying solo, but don't worry, because we got some great content here. Spring football is real. It's here already. We got Missouri, Auburn, and Vanderbilt already on the practice field, and it won't be long before the entire league is on the practice field. So, hey, we actually got some comments from all these coaches. That's what this show's going to be. And, um, you know, this may be the final show of the week. Things are going to slow down a little bit. SEC basketball tournament next week. I'm already lining up a number of uh, in-studio guests, including one special one. Fingers crossed that it still happens. So be on the lookout for that in the days to come. But, hey, uh, before we get to it, again, Missouri, Auburn, Vanderbilt, those are the three teams. Got comments from all three coaches down there. But we have a couple more of these early SEC 2023 point spreads from FanDuel. And two of these, I particularly really advise people to to go out, bet all these games right now. I think you're getting some great value. Again, it's not even a sponsor of the show or anything. But how about this one? Kentucky at Georgia Bulldogs. Of course, the Bulldogs are fa- they're going to be favored against everybody they play next season, regardless of what's going on off the field down there at Athens. But Kentucky, a 24-point underdog in Athens. And why I like that, surely, I'm not crazy enough to sit here and say Kentucky will pull the upset. But Kentucky has played Georgia about as well as anybody in the SEC East the last couple of years. I just think at 24 is way too much to give them. I think this is, you know, that this is a sucker bet is what it is because you got the defending national champions. Everybody's going to be betting on them. This is for the casual people out there, the casual bettors that don't realize that Kentucky's had a, you know, last season was disappointing. That's a poor season for Kentucky these days to go seven and five is now a disappointment at Kentucky. They're not going to be a 7-5 and five team again, I truly don't think. While, again, I'm not sitting here saying Georgia's going to take a big step back, but 24 points, if they hit on this quarterback, Devin Leary, mm, I love that one. So I would bet that right now. I'd bet on Kentucky and the 24. I like this next line almost as much. Difference is, point spread is not near as... Uh, Wild is the the other one. Alabama at Texas A&M. Again, same deal with Alabama as you're going to get with Georgia. Alabama's going to be favored, at least, you know, heading into the season. Every single game they play in the regular season. And a lot of that has to do with, again, same thing. These casual people that uh, don't study SEC football, they just know Alabama, they win damn near every game, right? So we got to make them the favorites. Nine and a half point favorite on the road at Texas A&M. Hell, last time they went into Kyle Field, they lost the football game. So last season, too, came down to the final play. A&M had an opportunity to win it. Didn't, came up just short. Man, I love the Aggies right here. And nearly 10 points at home. Not ready to predict the outright upset by any means, but this is going to be a one-score game if 
recent history is any indication. Jimbo Fisher gets up for these Alabama games more than any other game on his schedule. So I love Texas A&M getting nine and a half at home against Alabama. I'd go to FanDuel right now, bet on A&M, bet on Kentucky, and the 24 points in Athens. One other one, love this game, the Egg Bowl. Stay away from this point spread. I'm not telling you to go bet on this one, but Ole Miss on the road at Mississippi State. The Bulldogs favored by a point and a half. So nearly a coin toss type ball game here, and that's the way it should be for an Egg Bowl. That's going to be one hell of a game, and I, I wouldn't be stunned if by the time we get to it, not that Mississippi State's going to be a bad team, I've been saying. I think they're going to surprise a lot of people, but I would anticipate just now, looking ahead, that Ole Miss will be favored the week of that game. So maybe if you want a slight edge there, maybe you bet on Ole Miss now, but I'm not sitting here saying they're going to be a touchdown favorite by any means. It's probably be a one- or two-point favorite given that great rivalry and where that game's played. Mississippi State's tough as hell to beat with them cowbells a-clanging. All right, let's get into the uh, action here. Spring football in the SEC. A lot of these teams hitting the field before spring break even gets here. There is some strategy to doing it this early, though, and really the coaches that you hear, you know, if someone, God forbid, gets injured in spring and it's going to happen across the SEC, players get hurt in camp, the earlier you start, the more time they have to rehab to get ready for training camp, to get ready for the upcoming season. So starting early, there it's a trade-off. Again, before spring break, you know, players may not uh, come back quite as uh, refreshed as they should be, but hey, their college kids can't blame them there. But having said that, these are the three teams to watch already on the field, and we're going to start in Columbia where we have an update here on redshirt freshman Sam Horn. Great news for the Tigers. Injury disaster averted. Sam Horn not 100% ready to go right out the gate, but it doesn't sound like he's going to miss much time at all, if any. And uh, it sounds like the injury he suffered is going to keep him away from baseball. As Drake explains, the injury he suffered, it's uh, more detrimental to throwing a baseball than a football. So let's kick it over to Drink talking Sam Horn, his status, and what it's like him having to split his duties between baseball and football in the spring. Properly. Brady Cook will be limited. Um, he'll be out there, but non-throwing and non-contact. I said Trevez um, is, is recovering from an off-season shoulder uh, surgery. Um, he'll be able to do some seven-on-seven seven and some non-contact limited stuff, uh, but he'll be out there doing some stuff. And then Sam Horn will be limited tomorrow. Uh, but uh, he did suffer a... Um, I don't have the exact diagnosis in front of me, but he did suffer a sprain um, in a forearm strain from a pitch that he threw on Saturday night that has been MRI'd um, and has been um, examined by not only our orthopedist, um, but also in a second opinion. And uh, believe we have that uh, diagnosed well. There was no damage to any ligaments uh, for you baseball guys out there, um, but he did suffer a forearm strain. So probably will not throw the football tomorrow, but look forward to getting him back um, 
to football probably Thursday or Saturday. Uh, baseball, I'll let Steve answer those questions. I'm not sure I'm on that pace scale. Yeah. So, I, I mean, just the time management and everything it takes to be able to do both of those, how, how big a challenge is that? And, you know, how confident are you that Sam has handled it okay so far? I mean, it's a real challenge, right? I mean, to to uh, be elite at both crafts is, is, is very difficult on top of wa watching your weight. Uh, Sam's also a type 1 diabetic, so he has to monitor his, his um, blood sugar, um, which is something that when he first got here was a challenge that we had to really work through just to make sure that he was constantly monitoring that. Um, he's been able to add weight, sustain weight, and been able to be uh, uh, really good at that. So I think now that he's been through a full year, you know, full six months of being a student athlete here, I think he's becoming more and more comfortable of what his day-to-day -day routine is. Um, and, uh, I mean, he threw 97 the other day. I mean, so, like, he's pretty good, you know. So, like, you know, he's pretty good, and that's our job to help him excel at what he can be the best at. And, and man, I know, I know this. He's really picked up Kirby's um, offense really well and our offense. And, uh, you know, watching him handle those walkthroughs uh, last week was really impressive to know that, you know, um, he had just got done throwing 97 and coming in and doing install and handle walkthrough and then get on a plane the next day and go pitch again. Um, but, I mean, you look at some of the great ones in the past. Um, you know, Kyler Murray did it. James Winston's done it. There's been a lot of good players be able to do it. So, I'm not going to limit him. Ooh, how many Missouri fans perked up when they heard 97-mile-per-hour fastball thrown by old Sam Horn? So, that's got to give you some optimism that, uh, you know, you you get some, a big-arm quarterback here. And, hey, I'm not ready to write off Brady Cook either. I mean, obviously left a lot to be desired pushing the ball down the field last season. But then when it comes out that uh, he had a torn labrum, maybe you understand not having that extra strength to push the ball down the field. Some of the accuracy was an issue. But, hell, hell of a player got – Better as the season went along, and that was dealing with the injury. So he's going to be in a, a non-contact jersey. He will be participating on a limited basis in spring, according to Drinkowitz. But don't forget we brought in Jake Garcia, the Miami transfer, former touted prospect. At one point, I believe he was a top five quarterback prospect in the country. So uh, let's kick it over to Drink on Jake Garcia, what he liked about the quarterback to add him to this quarterback room in Columbia? Yeah, you know, I haven't really got to that point yet. Um, I'm focused on this spring and, and the opportunities that, that both Jake and Sam are going to have this spring. It's, you know, Brady's going to be out there working and watching, but he's not going to be able to throw, and, and we'll take it as it comes. Uh, you know, I, I really don't, whether you're talking about Dalen Carnell or Trevez or Joseph Charleston and Sydney or Tristan Newsom and Chad and, Tyron Hopper and Marcellus and Armand, everybody's got an opportunity to compete. That's the number one core value of our team. And uh, what you did last year, nobody cares about this year. All right, so every year is an opportunity for you to go out and earn it, and earn it again. And so uh, that's what we're all focused with doing. Um, and, and it's not a Brady quote. That's not a <laughs> it's actually a Tom Brady quote, but it's not a apply to Brady Cook or apply to Javon Foster or apply to Cody Schrader or apply to 
Luther Burden, that, that applies to everybody within our program. I mean, if Blake Craig comes out and, and, and kicks and does a better job than Harrison Mevis, then we've got a kicking controversy too, all right? Because what you did last year doesn't matter. It's about what you can do moving forward. Uh, last year, I'd give you confidence, but every year you got to earn it. And you got to earn it. And uh, that's what we're going to do. So. Well, I haven't been able to see Jake throw uh, because of the NCAA rules, um, but I do I, I do know just watching tape, he's got some arm talent. He's got natural arm talent. He's got quick release, uh, good feet. He's got an understanding of what it takes to be an offensive player. I like just being around him. He's got the right kind of persona. I think he's done a, a really nice job of fitting in with his teammates um, and getting to know those guys. Um, you know, he's he's played in some big-time ball games before, and, and so I think he knows uh, what it takes to uh, play the position, and, and I think he is looking for a chance to just grow and develop. And obviously, with what Kirby's done in his past and what we've done here with the past history of quarterbacks, I think they're all excited about the opportunity that lies ahead. Now, of course, we can't talk Missouri without highlighting Luther Burden going into that year-two jump, just a sensational freshman, if we can get him more touches, more involved in the offense, we'll see if he still plays on special teams. I think that may be a mistake to keep him on special teams given the increased role we're going to be giving him on offense this fall in Columbia. But they're moving his position, putting him into that slot, putting him into that Dominique Lovett role, so to speak. Drink sounds very, very pleased with the depth and talent he's got at this receiver position. Now, Luther Burden learning a new position, look for his production to increase drastically in his second season of college football. Uh, Luther's going to slide into the slot position. Um, you know, we played him at X last year exclusively trying to to just limit the amount of, of volume on what he was trying to learn. Um, but in the past history of our offense, whether it's been at NC State, whether it's Boise State or here, the slot's uh, get the large majority of the targets from a running catch opportunity. And with us, uh, with Dominic uh, transferring, allows us to move Luther into that slot wide receiver position, allows, you know, Chance, Theo, Danis. Um, God, that wide receiver room's deep. Makai, Mookie, uh, to play on the outside and also play the slot position too. So, um, Jamarian Wayne to play outside. So, allows us to get – Luther in there, get a few more touches, ball in his hands, yards after contact, and then let the rest of these guys fight it out from the outside um, and, and see how it plays. And, and like I said, everybody's got to fight it out. I mean, Dennis Jackson, uh, I think in 21, led the team in, in receptions at some point at Ole Miss. So uh, there's a lot of capable, capable players out there. We just got to get them the ball. All right, next let's kick it on down to the Plains where Hugh Freeze's first – Spring is underway on the Plains, and hmm, sounds like the Tigers are going to be going at a lot faster tempo, kind of like we saw from Hugh Freeze's teams at Ole Miss. They really mixed in a lot of that tempo, and that was revolutionary at the time. Of course, that's why Nick Saban eventually went to more passing and wide open offense and, and all that because, he, because old Hugh was spanking him down there. Uh, with lesser talent, <laughs> something that uh, Auburn fans are hanging their hat on right now going into the, the first year of this Iron Bowl matchup between Hugh Freeze and, and Nick Saban. But I just thought that was pretty interesting. 
And uh, again, you know, day one stuff, not even in pads, you're not going to get a ton of uh, takeaways from Hugh Freeze and what he saw. But I like the fact that uh, he notes, if we consistently give the effort that we day, that we gave day one, we're going to be a lot better football team exiting the spring. Man, I, I don't want to be vague. It's just hard to, you know, with one practice without pads on for me to – uh, I, I don't want to say something that's inaccurate. I, I, I loved our energy. I thought we looked better on the field uh, physically than, uh, than maybe I thought. Um, I thought we showed good burst. Um, I thought our quarterbacks threw some decent balls at times. And other times where our mechanics were, were really bad. But I kind of expected that, and you know, that's we've we've got to coach that throughout the 15 days. But um, if they'll keep giving the the same energy and effort that they gave today, we'll get better um, throughout spring. And so I'm leaving today's practice feeling very positive and optimistic. Now, of course, everybody and their mother down there wants to know the quarterback situation. That's always the big question all across the SEC when you don't have an incumbent. Coming back, we got T.J. Finley, plenty experienced. Robbie Ashford flashed at times. I think, you know, I, I would argue his best throw came in the Iron Bowl. Great touchdown to the on the right side there. You know, we can't write off Holden Grenier either. If you missed it, we had Nathan King from 24-7 Sports on the show about a week and a half ago talking to Auburn, and he said, hey, a lot of good buzz about Holden Grenier, the redshirt freshman quarterback. Cannot write him out of this competition. Uh, again, not a ton to gleam off of day one install type stuff, but uh, Hugh Freeze asked about the quarterbacks, as you knew he would be. Uh, here's what he says he's looking for from his uh, signal callers there at Auburn. I, I thought TJ, I thought um, Robbie and Holden all are, I, I think they're hungry. I think they want to be taught. They want to learn a different way. They want to learn a different system. And um, I just – I think they all have been like a sponge and saying, just help me, coach. Just I want to get better. I want to be the guy. And um, obviously they're all a little different. And we've got to figure out, you know, to play to the strengths of those guys. But at some point, all three will have to – to be the guy, you're going to have to lead the football team and lead not only on the field, off the field, and in the locker room, decision-making, accuracy, uh, taking care of the ball, uh, all of those things. But to this point, the thing I've really liked is it's just, man, if the meeting's at 2.30, they're there at 2.15 saying, can we start early, can we go? And um, they're just they're wanting to learn. Um, can you talk about Yeah, we we won't narrow down the reps in spring. We will in fall. You have to, but spring we won't. I mean, everybody got the same number of reps today, and so and we're going to rotate some people. Look, I told them today in the team meeting. I mean this. There is no depth chart. I don't care what group you trot out there with on the field right now. I don't. I don't have 
in my mind, this is a first team, a second team, a third team guy. You know, you're going to get the reps, and we're going to rotate different people in with this group that runs out there and uh, grade every single rep of it and, and kind of figure out where we are after spring. But, but really believe that, uh, that everybody's going to get equal reps this spring and develop some depth at least before we decide kind of where everybody is in the pecking order of depth charts. And one thing I wanted to close with here, talking Auburn real quick, I just thought this was, you know, good, insightful information from old Hugh, recognizing potential issues. I mean, this is a big-time job, Auburn. The expectation, make no mistake, is to win SEC championships, get into the college football playoff. That's going to get a hell of a lot easier when we expand it to 12 starting in 2024. But, hey, we're seeing it. We, we just talked Missouri. Drink's been on record. You know, this, there's just too much for me to be calling all these plays on Saturday with everything that comes with being a head coach in college football now. Jimbo Fisher learned that the hard way. Had to bring in Bobby Petrino. Hugh Freeze could have went it his own way, could have stayed with the play calling, but he brought in a veteran, Philip Montgomery, brought in Ken Austin, who was his uh, offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach at Liberty, to be an analyst helping coach up the quarterbacks this spring on the Plains. Uh, I just, if I'm an Auburn fan, I'm going to play these comments here in just a second, but I'm pretty fired up that Hugh Freeze is already thinking two steps ahead, understanding what a big job this is and how, frankly, behind they are in recruiting when it comes with the upcoming class just because they've not been there as long as the coaches at Georgia, the coaches even at LSU, and obviously Alabama. They are a little bit behind because this is a relationship business. Now that uh, you know he's not burdened with all that, he can focus more energy, more efforts on the recruiting trail, which that they can hire whoever they want to be the coach down there at Auburn. They're not going to compete with Alabama and Georgia unless they get better on the recruiting trail. They've already begun to do that based on what we've seen to end last cycle and what we've seen early in this cycle. Hugh Freeze, I think uh, – Wise words from the first-year Auburn head coach. Well, obviously I put a lot of thought into that before we put the staff together because I just – I think we live in a different um, day and time for college football and the days of me just sitting there and, and coaching quarterbacks and, and just calling all the plays. I think there's so much more that's needed right now to try to manage your own roster to recruit and to manage the culture and um, to have, you know, Philip and Kent in the meeting room. He can't coach on the field yet. I hope that passes. But um, but to have him in the, in the staff room, in the planning part, um, he's been with me a long time and knows, you know, the expectations. And when I'm not in the room, um, I feel very comfortable with both of those guys. And that's given me freedom to recruit like crazy, uh, to get on the phone at practice with top guys and uh, just put extra effort into that. And I think that's going to be invaluable for us to have those two guys who I trust a lot offensively. Last, let's kick it on down to Nashville. Well, hell, I'm already in Nashville, but <laughs> the Commodores are on the practice field here. Year three, Clark Lee, expectations 
rising on West End there. Won five games last season. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Now the goal, I love the fact Clark Lee, day one spring says, no mistake about it, our goal is to reach the postseason. That is a team standard they're setting this season. So that confidence we talked about to end last season, clearly that has carried over to this spring if uh you know they're openly talking about making a postseason Clark Lee just doesn't strike me as the guy to to set goals of that nature from day one but that's what it is and how are they going to get there they're going to get there with an experienced roster that uh, it's no longer just freshmen and sophomores at Vanderbilt going into year three now they have players not only played but won in the SEC, on the road, and at home. Let's kick it over to Clark Lee as the Commodores begin year three under their head coach. You've got a lot of old guys on this team. How much easier does that make first spring practice of year three compared to the same of year one and year two? I've been noticing that my hair is growing back. And <laughs> I think that the older guys are helping relieve some of my stress. No, it's... it's it's night and day. It's hard for me sometimes to think back to that first spring because it, it, it's painful and it's, it's no one's fault. It's just a, it's the nature of change, shedding old skin, getting people aligned. I mean, these are the challenges that, you know, when you dream of these positions, you don't think about just how deep it goes. Um, and so to be at a point now where this looks really familiar, that there's a, there's a personality and identity here. And obviously, it's imperfect. We're still working to to make it robust and and you know strong and powerful. Um, but it, it feels good to be seeing the incremental progress and knowing that if we keep stacking, um, we'll we'll have a chance again to we think field a, a competitive, good team in the fall. Jalen talked about how going to a bowl game is a big motivator for a lot of y'all organizationally. How is that kind of borne out throughout the, the winter and start of the spring? We didn't wait to set that as a mission. And, you know, obviously a stated mission sets a course. That's our telescope. You know, we have to then focus each day on what what is needed or called from us in this day to um, to have a chance at that. That's our microscope. And so um, it, it was important for us to recognize where we fell short a year ago and um, how disappointing it was to be home for Christmas, um, to say that we know we're capable um, and and to say and have a stated goal now, like let's let's get to postseason play. The beauty is we have you know six months to really define what that can be, and we don't want to place limitations on what that can be. Um, so, you know, um, it's important to us. It doesn't guarantee us anything, and you know, we'll we'll be you know a few plays away from the highest possible levels. We're also a few plays away from being really disappointed. So. Um, having the goal is one thing, actualizing the goal is another, um, but I think the goal is just a statement of belief in where we are and where we could be when we play this fall. All right, so that's going to do it on this episode of the show, and like I said, unless anything happens, we'll see uh, if I can gather up some some clips or info or, I mean, God forbid, something else happens. There's been a lot of arrests off the field in the SEC, so let's hope nothing like that happens, but uh Uh, This may be the final show of the week. Four shows. That's pretty damn good for a February SEC football show. So, (laughs) again, uh, if something happens, I'll post a video. But Cousin Shane, 
on vacation still. I think he'll be back for uh, next week for sure, heading into, uh, the, like I said, the SEC basketball tournament. Got a lot of fun stuff planned. Hopefully going to have some great content coming as uh, the SEC media world descends on Nashville. And my Nashville studio there is a stone's throw away from old Bridgestone Arena where they're holding that event. So, hey, should be a really, really good time. Talk to a number of people already getting these interviews lined up. So be on the lookout for that again in the days and weeks to come. That's just a little teaser for all you out there. But, uh, hey, that's going to do it for this episode of the show. We'll catch you on the next one.